about Advent and joy. Advent and joy. In this angelic announcement, there are a couple of things that are worthy of note. First, consider to whom the announcement was given, or more correctly, who the announcement was not given to. The announcement was not given to the powers of government. It wasn't given to Rome. It wasn't given to the governor of Judea. It was not given to Herod the Great. It was not given to the Syrian governor Quirinius, who was acting on behalf of Rome and had mandated a census of the people be taken for tax purposes. Government was not informed of the birth of Messiah. But then, neither was Jewish religious authority. No word was sent to the Sanhedrin Council. No word was given to the leaders of the major sects of Judaism. No word sent to Pharisees, no word sent to Sadducees, no word sent to Essenes, no word sent to Herodians, no word sent to Zealots. No divine messenger was dispatched to the temple nor to the chief priests. Announcement wasn't given to them. Well, who was the announcement given to? The scripture says the announcement was given to shepherds in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. By the time of Jesus, being a shepherd had become a despised trade. Orthodox Jews hated shepherds, even though most of the great patriarchs of their faith had been shepherds. Abraham had been a shepherd. Moses had been a shepherd. David had been a shepherd. But Orthodox Judaism despised shepherds. For the most part, shepherds were uneducated and unskilled they were generally viewed as being dishonest and unreliable. They weren't even allowed to offer testimony in courts of law. If the shepherd was the only witness to the crime, then it was just like the crime had not been committed. Shepherds weren't known for their hygiene. If a shepherd came walking in here right now, you wouldn't want him sitting next to you. They didn't bathe very often because sheep required round-the-clock care. They had no days off. They had no vacations. And, And because of this, they couldn't keep all of the rites and rituals of the law. So they were viewed as being in a perpetual state of ritual uncleanness. Socially, religiously, economically, politically, shepherds were considered to be at the bottom of the ladder. 
but it was to shepherds that God sends this divine announcement. And it was not by accident. God was making a statement that ought to bring comfort and encouragement to you and me today as we anticipate the celebration of the coming of Christ. In sending word to these shepherds, God was declaring that he is not limited by the artificial bounds that people have established. God was making it plain that he was going to do what he was going to do the way he was going to do it. And church, I don't know about you, but as I consider the joy of Advent, I'm glad that God is not limited by the artificial boundaries that you and I set up. See, if God were limited by our artificial boundaries, I wouldn't be included. See, I know who I am. I know what I am. I know what I am not. And I'm sure that in the minds of a lot of folk, I ain't no better than these shepherds. I don't have any money don't have any strong social standing, don't have any political power. I've got some sketchy things on my resume. Makes it hard for some people to consider me to be in any way reliable. Yet, when I hear Jesus speak in the Nazareth synagogue, I know he was sent to see about me. I was spiritually and emotionally depressed, but, but Jesus came to proclaim good news to me. I fell short of God's glory, but Jesus came to pardon me of my sin and free me from my spiritual oppression. I was blind, but Jesus came to help me recover my sight. I'm glad that God brought this message of joy to folk like these shepherds because it encourages me that no matter what others may think about me, I've never gone so far that God can't pull me back. Church, one of the great revelations of life, if you haven't had it yet, just wait till it happens. One of the great revelations of life is when you come to realize that everything doesn't have to go your way for God to make it all right. Folk don't have to love you for God to make it all right. Folk don't have to keep their word to you for God to make it all right. God has a way of taking what others meant for bad and using it for your good. Paul said God has a way of making all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so as I 
approach another Christmas, as, as I enjoy another Advent, I do so with joy because I know that Jesus is stronger than any condition that I may face. Consider this passage. Consider the setting of this scene. Luke says that at the same time as Mary was giving birth to Jesus in a stable in Bethlehem, there were some shepherds nearby keeping night watch over their flocks. And, and it was in this darkness that this angel of the Lord comes to them. Their darkness was not merely physical, but they were in a dark place as individuals. Though they worked hard, they were unappreciated. We told you that shepherds as a class were a despised group, but their work was essential even to those who hated them. You see, temple sacrifices required two perfect firstborn lambs every single day. That's more than 700 lambs a year, not counting the lambs that were needed for Passover and all the other feasts and festivals. These shepherds provided a vital service, and yet they were completely unappreciated by those that needed what they had to offer. Oh, church, I wonder if you hear me. Do you know how it feels to be unappreciated by the very people that you're doing the most for? They need what you have to offer. You make their burden easier to bear, and yet they mistreat you because they have no appreciation for what you're doing for them. Their morale was low. Their disappointment was high. Their expectations had gone unfulfilled for a long time. But in the midst of this darkness, God sent a great light to announce the coming of an even greater light. An angel appeared to them, and as the angel appeared, a bright light pierced through the darkness. Shiloh, one reason why I have joy in my heart is because Jesus has pierced the darkness of my life. I don't know about you, but, but I can confess my way gets dark sometimes. Dark from the weaknesses of my flesh. Dark from the way that folk have treated me. Dark from expecting things to go one way and have them turn out another. But I'm glad that in the midnight of my life, Jesus has always pierced the darkness. He's, he's always opened doors for me that others have closed against me. He's always kept his arms of protection around me. The angel appeared to these shepherds, and, and, and when the angel appeared, he said something. First thing he said was, fear not. And I'm glad to know that, that God will take my fear away. And, and then he said, I've got good news for you. And I'm glad that in troubled times, I know that in Jesus Christ, there is good news. 
that as I hurry on, I want to focus on the word that the angel said after that. He said, not only is it good news, but that it is great joy. And this is what we want to center on today. Just as the first coming of Jesus gave joy to these shepherds, there ought to be joy in our hearts today. Advent is joy because it tells us that God is faithful. It tells us that God is true to his word. God had made this promise a long time ago. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God promised, I'm going to put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, and he will crush the serpent's head, and he will bruise his heel. God had talked about this Savior through Jacob when he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. God had talked about him through Isaiah when he said, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. God had made this promise a long time ago. But you know what happens after a while? It takes too long for the promise to be fulfilled. And some folk get upset with God. And some folk give up on God. But in the fullness of time, God kept his word. In the fullness of time, God sent his son into the world, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those of us who were trapped by the law. Church, I'm glad that God is true to his word. Because sometimes all I have to stand on are his promises. Can't depend on folk. Can't depend on conditions. Can't depend even on myself. But I've learned that I can depend on him. He promised to be my provider. And I stand on that promise. He promised to be my protector, and I stand on that promise. He promised to be my way maker, and I stand on that promise. He promised to be my heart fixer, and I stand on that promise. This was joy because it reminds us that God is faithful to his word. And then it's joy because it tells me that I am forgiven. Our church, I can never forget, and neither should you, that it was our need for forgiveness that caused Jesus to be born in the first place. I was in need of redemption, and that's why he came into the world. I needed another chance. I, I needed to, to have another opportunity because I had wasted the opportunity that God had already given me. And Advent is joyous to me because it reminds me that because Jesus came, I am forgiven. And church, you are forgiven too. Don't think you don't need forgiveness. 
Don't think you too good, too high, too holy to need forgiveness. Every now and then, I, I, I can actually convince myself that I ain't that bad a fella. I look around at what somebody else has done or what somebody else is doing, and, and I, I can tell myself, well, at least I ain't as bad as, as they are. But you know what? Something will happen. And when that something happens, it will remind me that all of my righteousness is just filthy rags. Something will happen that will remind me that I'm just a wretch undone. Something will happen that will remind me that I ain't fit to live, neither am I worthy to die. But when those times come in my life, I just think about Jesus. And Jesus reminds me that I am forgiven in my unworthiness. Jesus reminds me that he was wounded for my transgression. In my shortcomings, Jesus reminds me that he was bruised for my iniquity. In spite of the confusion that I have brought into my own life, Jesus reminds me that the chastisement of my peace was placed upon him. And when I feel like I'm broken, he will remind me that by his stripes, I have been healed. I thank God for the joy of Advent because Advent reminds me that I am forgiven. Well, finally, Advent gives me joy because it assures me about the future. See, Advent reminds me that not only has Jesus come and forgiven my yesterdays, not only has he come to brighten my today, but Advent lets me know that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. The same Jesus talked about tomorrow one day. He, 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 he told his disciples on a mountainside in Caesarea Philippi, look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, but your father takes the time to feed them. You don't want to look up, look down. Look at the lilies of the field. Look, look at them. They don't work, and yet your father enables them to grow. And then Jesus said, I declare that if God will take care of birds in the sky, and if he'll take care of flowers on the ground, then surely my God will supply all your needs. According to his riches in glory. Church, the beautiful thing about Advent is that it's not just about yesterday. And it's not just about right now. But it reminds me that the future is all right. If you ever get bummed out about the future, 
If you ever become depressed about the future, if you ever get worried about the future, if you ever look at yourself and realize that you don't look like you used to look and, and, and you don't feel like you used to feel and you start worrying about what's going to happen in the future, let me tell you something. He's already taken care of your future. See, the joy of Advent is that it ain't left in your hands. But he took care of it a long time ago. Now, now I heard the choir sing, it ain't about the baby. And they're right, it ain't about the baby. I'm glad he was born, but it ain't about the baby. I'm glad he did a lot of the stuff that he did. I'm glad he turned water into wine. And I'm glad he walked on the water. I'm, I'm glad he spoke to wind and waves and told them to lie down and be still. I'm, I'm glad he fed thousands with two fish and five loaves of bread. I'm, I'm glad he opened blind eyes. I'm glad he unstopped deaf ears. I'm glad he caused the lame to walk. But that's not why I rejoice. You know why I rejoice? Because early on a Friday morning, he took your sin and my sin, and he went out on a hill called Calvary. Early on a Friday morning, he let them put nails in his hands and in his feet. Early on a Friday morning, they hung him high and they stretched him wide. For six long hours, he hung there between heaven and earth, being the propitiation for our sin. That means he took our place and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Around three o'clock Friday evening, he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders and he said, it's finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. They took him down off the cross on Friday afternoon. They buried him in somebody's borrowed tomb. But I'm glad that it didn't end on Friday. But early, early. You know how we preachers like to say it early, 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 early. Sunday morning, he got up with all power, all power, all, all power in his hands. He fixed it, he fixed it, he fixed it, and I say, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, not the baby in the manger, 
on Christ. Not the one who fed the multitude. On Christ. The one who got up from the grave with all power in his hands. On Christ. The solid rock. I stand. All other ground. All other ground. All other ground is sinking sand. Choir is going to sing a hymn. Are the 